Hello, welcome back to another episode of the No Vertical Podcast with your hosts, Alex and Billy. Today on the podcast, we're going to break down St. John's inconsistencies, Buffalo barely squeaking into the hmm. uh, AP poll top 25, and Syracuse continuing to ride that bubble. Mm-hmm. All right, so starting off the podcast with St. John's, continuing to just be up and down this season. I mean, uh, beating Marquette to start the week off, you know, the number 10 team in the country for the season sweep. They beat them uh, to start off uh, Big East play on January 1st. And then they went into Milwaukee and beat Marquette again for the season sweep, only to be followed up by a loss to Providence at home in which Mustafa Heron did not play. The inconsistencies continue to mount for St. John's, and Alex, I got to tell you, I, I, it, I, I'm having a hard time hanging on here. <laughs> it's been a struggle. It's uh, you know one of the one of the biggest seasons on record, and we're left with a team that might not even make the tournament at this point. You know they need a they need to win the next at least one of these next two. They're playing Butler and Nova at home, right? Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's a soft year for Nova, but it's definitely not their best. And if there's any time to win at home, it's now. Right. But uh, the Johnnies have been proven that, you know, they kind of find that hard to do, specifically at the Garden. They're they're not making life easy for themselves, losing these home games. Yeah, you know, not your typical win at home, lose on the road. Yeah, they, they don't have that mentality. Year. Not at all. <laughs> Um, so I'm not even going to bother talking about Mullen anymore because I'm just, the man baffles me. Right. Uh, you know, case in point, they put the freshman in Josh Roberts last game because they needed some, some depth down low to deal with Providence's bigs. Mm-hmm. And the kid played outstanding. He was probably the third best player on the court for the Johnnies in the game. And that was probably the first legit series of minutes he's gotten all season. Well, you know, you know, because no why play nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> why play talent? Nobody's perfect. Um, hopefully, Mustafa Heron can come back and against the Butler tomorrow night at Carnesecca. And uh, you know, I think I think you'll still get consistency out of him. I don't know how high of a level he'll be able to play at with this knee injury sure. that he's got lingering. Um, but I think. If anything, the, the the theme for this episode will be X factors mm. for teams because it's been coming up again and again. And I think for St. John's, the X factors are uh, Marvin Clark and Justin Simon. The, they're two huge factors for this team. They need to get going offensively in order to free up Shamori Ponds and um, you know allow Heron to get his shot off. Mm-hmm. LJ Figueroa is just a freak of nature, so I don't think he really needs anyone to do any work. He's going to score regardless. <laughs> But, you know, in order for this team to get going and to see this team make a run into the Big East tournament and hopefully the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. Simon and Clark need to get their shit together and, you know, uh, be more consistent at least. Because right. the way that they're contributing right now is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like... It's like you said. It's such an up and down year. It's really hard to predict what, how they're gonna do and what they're gonna do. Um, <laughs> and it seems partially, partially on Mullen, partially on the team. And I think that everything that's happened surrounding the team and behind the scenes, and nobody's talking too too much about, has played a role. So yeah, we'll see 
how the rest of the season unfolds. I do think that your boys are at risk for not being able to make the tournament, though. Yeah, as of as of the latest projections, they're still in somehow. I think they're listed as like a nine, but they're they're really riding the bubble. They're really channeling their uh, inner Syracuse. Yeah, their inner Syracuse. There, <laughs> as blasphemy as that is to Good say. God. But, uh, yeah. So speaking of X factors, Alex, mm-hmm. who who would you say? I have someone in mind for Syracuse, but who would you say is Syracuse's X factor as we transition into uh, the Orange? Um, currently. I'd have to say either Buddy Beheim or uh, Pascal Chukwu. Pascal Chukwu has shown that when he has played well, especially on the board, the team is very hard to beat. Um, they get beat a lot on second chances, on second chance points, and a lot on fast breaks. So if we can start to really hammer down on the boards, I think that'll be a big, big turnaround. But Anytime you have a player that's consistently hitting threes for a team that does not score a ton, that's going to open up the, the the driving lanes a lot more for players like Frank Howard, for players like Tyus Battle. So I think that right now my X factor would be one of those two, Buddy Beheim or Pascal Chukwu. And I think that they're overlooked, both of them, because, I mean, Chukwu by no means is an offensive force and – Buddy Beheim is still a freshman, still trying to find his footing. So we'll see how the next couple of games goes up. But, you know, I think that if those two players really hammer down and start to play like they can play or show that they can they can play, then we should be okay. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. I was actually going to say Buddy Beheim was my selection for uh, yeah. X-Factor for Syracuse. I mean, just looking at that Boston College game, uh, that first mm-hmm. half, he was shooting the lights out, and, and it really lifted the yeah, team he played well. um, to a whole new level. And I think if you can get that consistently out of him, um, the sky's a limit for the Syracuse team, you know. Right. That being said, that consistency has not been there. No, it all. hasn't. All season. And, so. and uh, like we he... said, very similar to St. John's where, you know, one game they'll they'll play their hearts out, they'll – absolutely destroy a team on offense which you know you'll be like oh my god is this is this the real Syracuse team right. that I'm looking at right. and then other games yep. it'll be an absolute slugfest on defense they score like 60 points and then you're just like okay here we go yeah. again yeah <laughs> I think right now the biggest limiting factor for Syracuse is number one Frank Howard Frank Howard has not played nearly as well as he's played in the past that everybody knows he can play and could it be partially because he missed out on a couple of games early in the year and didn't really feel like he was in the flow of things, potentially, but we're almost done with the regular season at this point, so I think that people really got to stop putting too much into Frank Howard not being around early on because he's had plenty of game time. Yeah, it's hard to really say, like, a guy missing the first couple games of the season is going to disrupt the chemistry at this point. You know, right. I, I feel like with all the guys practice together and, and the games that they've already been through, specifically like early ACC play, you don't yeah. get much better, you know, a, a opportunities to become cohesive on, you know, Absolutely. than that. So, you know, it's saying like if, if the guy missed a few garbage games to start the year, that that's really right. going to make a difference. I don't really buy it. Right. You know? Um, 
but that. What do you th- What do you think? Like, obviously, he's been inconsistent. How do you feel about Bayheim not really fo- trying to go somewhere else in terms of Jalen Carey? You know, that's that's interesting because I feel like that that team, if anyone, should utilize all the depth that they have. Like at any given moment, right. just like how St. John's right. is now finally digging deeper into their bench, right? Um, I feel like you need to involve Carey, and 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 that would alleviate maybe some of the pressure that some of the other guys are feeling, like like Brissett and uh, and Battle in terms of getting the ball in the hoop, you know? Right. Um, but then again, maybe maybe he feels like he can he can win games with with Battle what? playing forty minutes and you know Brissett playing right. thirty five plus, and it you know. It, it, Bayheim will spark major runs in the tournament. You know, if anything was evident of that, it was last year. So mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to it's hard to argue with a guy like Bayheim. Much easier to argue against what Mullen's doing, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I will say that Bayheim has in the past, in my mind, had a history of not playing people that I thought he should play, and then those people turning out to be in a year or two one of their best players, Frank Howard being one of them. Frank Howard, when he came in as a freshman, didn't see a ton of time. And it wasn't just because um, the roster spots weren't available. It was also because I think that Bayheim has a good way of cultivating point guards. And I think that he's able to mold them how he wants them to play in the zone and on offense. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see if – going forward in the tournament he plays, but next year what the situation will be like. Yeah, I mean, he's only, like, like just look at the stats. He's only seeing 13.8, but realistically, you know, that's really not that bad considering uh, Merrick Dolajai only sees 20.3 minutes a game. And, and right. he, he's considered, you know, like the hero from last year's team pretty much. Sure. Um, so, you know, it, it like you said, he he's got a plan put in place that he, he knows what he's doing. Um, Absolutely. I mean, Buddy Beheim, his own son is only seeing 13 minutes a game. So. Right. I, I don't think he, I, I think he has a clear cut idea of what he wants this team to be. Um, I mean, it's definitely helpful for maybe Carrie to see some more minutes in ACC play just to get his feet wet mm-hmm. in, in a higher level of competition than uh, pre, than pre uh, conference play. But, you know, it's Bayheim, like we said. So, sure, right. And uh, so, moving on to Buffalo, the X factor that I would say on that team right now is is got to be Carruthers. I mean, the guy is killing it at both ends of the ball. And I, I see if if you're thinking in terms of Harris for the X factor, mm-hmm. I could see that. But I feel like he was already very involved in the offense and. He he needs to be involved, but I think Carruthers' role this season is completely different than what it was prior, and I think he's sure. the spark that this team has going for them that's going to win them games and send them deep into the tournament this year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a cop-out to say Nick Perkins is the X-Factor. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's like saying he's sixth man of the year. Everyone knows that man should be a starter. So, so I don't know. I would agree with you. Carruthers is – is a absolute monster defensively and completely is able to shut down anybody's best player. Um, 
But that being said, sorry, I just got very distracted. The UNC game is on right now, and this kid just hit like a 40-foot shot at the shot clock. Um, but I would agree with you. Carruthers has been an animal. And I think that the the ability shown both offensively and defensively has to make him one of the key components of that team. Um that doesn't get the CJ Massenberger, the Nick Perkins, you know, talk. Even the Jer- even people talk about Jeremy Harris, I would say, more than they talk about Carruthers. So um I would agree with you. I think that he has to be mentioned when you're talking about key components of that Buffalo team. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging, just, just for context, nine and a half points a game, three rebounds, three assists, and 1.2 steals. That's pretty solid. Per game, shooting 58.7% from the field, 42% from three, 80% Oof. from the line, all on 23 minutes a game. That's, that's pretty solid. So the guy and the guy comes off the bench. That's the craziest thing. You know, he, he's right. giving you all this energy coming off the bench. You know, guy, I don't think there's anyone in the Mac that can play with him, let alone, you know, even expanding out from that and looking at any other mid-major teams, like in terms of defensive prowess that could match his level. I don't mm-hmm. think there is one unless you look maybe on the same team at Devonta Jordan. But, sure. <laughs> you know, it. it the the one two punch that they provide on defense, I think, is an X factor in itself. Sure, yeah. For the, for this squad, um, but honestly, looking forward, like you're really you're gonna have to have a Marcus Howard type performance in the Marquette game that they had in order to beat this squad. I think. Um, but at come the same tournament time, time, yeah, come tournament time, I would agree with you. But I think that they've shown some weaknesses that's that are evident from their last couple of losses, you know, there's a, there's a reason they dropped in the polls. They've, they've let down a little bit, a little bit more than we, when we were used to seeing, especially in conference play. But that being said, it's tough to beat the same team twice, you know? Yeah. So even in the MAC, which is not historically a great um, pro, like, uh, conference, Yes, they lost the Bowling Green. I don't expect them to lose the Bowling Green again. The NIU game was a really tough loss. So I think that all in all, this team is still the favorite in the MAC. I think that they're gonna—they're probably gonna win the MAC tournament, you know. Um, and I do not see them not being anywhere below a five seed in the tournament. I mean, I th- I think it's – I don't know if it's safe to say they're going to win the MAC, but I think it's a good, very good chance yeah, they're going to win the MAC. Yeah, I think it's in their favor for sure. Um, that Bowling Green team is also I, – I believe they're still top 100 in the net rankings. So, I mean, it's it, they're not a, a gimme game by right, the sense no of – Right, no and, and they played them on the road in that one as well. So, I, I think, you know, all things considered, the only thing that I would say this team needs to work on is – coming out strong from the start. Mm. A lot of times they have a tendency to, to kind of play a little lackadaisical to start games. Um, and then, you know, the intensity gets lit. Nate Oates lights them up at halftime, and then, you know, they find ways to win games. Right. If, if they're playing against, you know, an ACC team, a Big Ten team, 
you know, you can't really afford a bad habit. Absolutely. So I think, you know, outside of that, though, really, you know, I mean, the roster that they've assembled, it, it it's incredible. Like, the, it's balanced in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just a matter of if Massenberg's going to be healthy in terms of his shoulder. And, you know, if whatever kept Perkins out of the first half from the Central Michigan game, you know, whatever right. that was. Hopefully, you know, Nate Oates doesn't do that again. Yeah, I'm sure he's, he's reconsidered that, that experience. Yeah, I don't. I, I still haven't heard what the actual reasoning was for Neither keeping him out of the first half, but who knows. All right, so moving on to uh, matchup predictions before we get into uh, some final or some NCAA tournament talk. Mm. We got Buffalo at Akron. What's your take, Alex? Um, you know, I I looked at Akron a little bit. I haven't seen them, you know, play at all this year. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're the a great offensive team. It seems like they're a little more defensive focused. They seem to score a little on the lower side. It's similar, unfortunately, when looking at their their stats to Syracuse. So um, I have Buffalo winning this one. I don't see them losing i i looked ahead and i didn't see too many weak spots it like too many opportunities for them to lose although to be fair i didn't expect them to lose in conference this early or like at the level that they've lost to so um i have you be winning 82 67 at akron yeah so i have i also have you be winning uh i have them up 77 to 68. I think Akron's defense is going to slow them down a bit in the first mm. half. Um, like you mentioned, the pretty good defensive team. The only problem is Akron's offense isn't going to be able to catch up. Um, they're going to slow Buffalo down for sure in the first half, I think. I think uh, that's a given at this point, just looking at Buffalo's recent performances. Right. They've not been a first-half team. Uh, I think they're going to turn it on the second half. I think Buffalo's going to out-rebound Akron, and I think that's going to be the big difference in this one. Um, and UB is going to put them down, put them away down the stretch. Gotcha. Um, St. John's versus Butler. So I'm I'm looking at uh, it's it's really a, a two two part thing here for this for this game. If if Mustafa Heron can come back and play, you know, up to potential, like his knee isn't going to limit him too much. Mm-hmm. I think this is a win that that St. John's gets. Not easily, but I think it's a win that they, they should have pretty much from start to finish. Sure. They did drop the game to Butler earlier in the season, but that was also at Hinkle, which is notoriously, you know, right. one of the hardest places to play in college basketball. Um, but, you know, I, I really hope they get things going and firing on all cylinders because you don't want to drop this one and are forced to win against Nova next week, uh, later in the week. So I got St. John's winning 78 to 74. Close game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I touched on it before. It's hard to beat the same team twice, especially in conference. So I also had St. John's winning um, 75-67. to 67. All right, and that leaves your Syracuse Orange going down to uh, NC State. Yeah, and this is a hard one for me. Um, NC State has – had their letdowns, you know, they dropped out of the top 25 and they put up that stinker performance where they scored, like, less than 30 points. Um, but that being said, I'm not 
I'm actually going to give NC State the win in this one because I think that Syracuse will let down in anticipation of their next couple games coming up against Louisville and uh, against Duke. So I think that it's going to be a close game, but I think NC State's going to get this one 75-65. See, I, I, I think both teams are very hungry for a win. Um, and it's going to be hard for Cuse to win on the road at NC State. Exactly. However, NC State has been all over the place. Oh yeah, as of late, big time. Uh, ranging from you know dropping what was it almost? I think they dropped over ninety points when they lost to UNC, yep. and then you know that twenty six point loss yeah. to uh, Virginia Tech. So, uh, Cuse has been relatively stable in the mid to 60s to low 70s with score wise mm-hmm. and I, I think their defense is going to be enough to get it done the Wolfpack really don't have like a solidified scores it's pretty balanced so I mean I, I your guess is as good as mine I'm going Q 67 62 because I, I just think this is going to be a dragging out game yeah like it's gonna be a, likes to play it's going to be one of those boring Syracuse games that nobody's going to want to keep playing. <laughs> All right, so moving on to uh, a little bit of a different segment that we're used to here. So CBS released their top 16 seeds pretty much Mm -hmm. of the tournament. So that spurred us to consider just some things. So me and Alex discussed a little bit who our safest team would be to make the final four, uh, who our biggest upside would be biggest bust would be and mid-major to watch mm-hmm. so alex let's start off with the safest team to make the final four who do you got and we're doing all four right uh let's just let's just go with safest team safest team okay yeah. i think right now with how they've performed all year duke in my opinion is the safest team i don't see anybody not in the acc excluding somebody like a tennessee who has the physicality to play with a Duke, um, beating Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones. I just that te- that lineup of those four core guys is so solid that I really can't see anybody that has not seen them already this year knowing how to handle them. Yes, they. Yeah. Sorry, I just gotta get the Gonzaga game done. Yes, Gonzaga <laughs> did beat them. Yes, they showed some weaknesses against Gonzaga, but that was so early on in the year before they had any roles established. Nobody knew who Trey Jones was. Nobody knew that Cam Reddish was going to play like he's played. So I feel like with all that, Duke, in my opinion, has to be the favorite right now to at least make the Final Four. See, now, I, I went in a different direction than you. I went with Tennessee, who you mentioned prior. Right. Um, you know, their only loss was to Kansas with Azabuke. Um, right. You know, I, I've heard people knock them, you know, saying that they don't even deserve to be number one right now um, because they haven't gotten a lot of big wins. They, you know, they had the win over Louisville and Gonzaga, but that, you know, outside of that, nothing right. really spectacular on their resume. But – you know, they have opportunities coming forward. They play Kentucky twice. They play LSU and they play Auburn um, coming up in conference play. And, you know, they're, they have not had a bad game this year whatsoever. Yeah. You know, um, they've been the most, like, stable team that I've seen. And 
a part of it has to do with, you know, a veteran presence on that team mm. that you don't have in Duke. And that's what scares me a little bit with Duke. That's and I'll get to them a little bit later because they're going to come up in one of my other categories. Right. But that's why I think Tennessee, and you could even argue, I could see an argument for Gonzaga there as well. Um, my only thing with Gonzaga and why I didn't go with them is because they haven't seen competition in the past, what, like 12 games? I don't know how many games they've played in conference they're, already. Yeah. But that their margin of victory has been like 30 points. Right. So uh, to me, I think you need to see some competition going into the tournament. I would and they haven't, and they haven't seen it. And I feel like people say that every year. But this Gonzaga yeah. team doesn't seem as solid as the Gonzaga teams of the past. Yes, I realize that they're number three in the nation and they beat Duke. But that being said, it's easy to stay at number three when you don't play anybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, Once... Yeah, and, and Syracuse also beat Duke this year. So. Right. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And Tennessee beat Gonzaga. Yeah. So, so they're... they own the tiebreaker right. by default. Right. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um Tennessee, I will say, has gotten challenged. You know, they went to overtime against Vandy. Um, they played a couple close games here and there, but all in all, they've been pretty dominant. So yeah, and I think having that that older squad that Tennessee has helps you oh, in those overtime games. You know, you can stick together. You don't get rattled. Um, as I think Duke kind of got a little rattled down the stretch against Syracuse. I mean, granted, you know, injuries in that game, whatever you want right, to say. Right, right, right. But, you know, it, it they kind of showed a little bit of, you know, wavering down the stretch in that one. So, and that's all you're going to get. You're going to get tight, hard games going into the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to be ready for anything. That said, transitioning, Duke is also my biggest upside team. Sure. Obviously, you know, you, you have – Th- at least three future NBA players on that roster, probably four if you include Trey Jones. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, what they've assembled, what they did to Virginia the other night was incredible. That was you know, pretty I, good, yeah. <laughs> I definitely didn't see that coming. I thought it would have been closer. And as we speak, you know, Virginia just beat UNC. Right, which, so, which kind of uh, shits on my upside team. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, uh, there you go, you know, <laughs> making a case for Duke here. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I really like, like everyone's saying, you know, Zion Williamson is, is a freak athlete, yeah. you know. Um, RJ was hitting a ton of threes in the last game. If he can keep that up, this team, the sky's the limit for them. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Duke, though, because they're young, they have vulnerabilities, which is why they're not my safest team to make the Final Four. Definitely fair. Um, but yeah, you know, like everything you said, I, I really like Duke. I think they're going to go far. They'll probably make the final four, but I just, I feel more comfortable putting my luck, uh, putting my faith in Tennessee for that as of right now. That's fair. I, uh, I had UNC as my, my upside just based on the talent that they have Cam Johnson playing very well and. They have a couple of prospects that are probably likely going to the NBA draft this year alone. Well, uh, I mean, Nas Little also. One thing I will say, though, for you, in your defense, Nas Little did get injured in this game. Right, and Cam and, Johnson did get injured as well and had yeah. this, and was out for a good amount of the – down the stretch. So, um, I do still think UNC will make a run. 
I think that Roy Williams can never, ever, ever be counted out, especially in the tournament. I think that they'll play really well in the um, ACC tournament, which will give them momentum going into the NCAA tournament. And I think that their young talent, on top of their experienced talent with players like Luke May, I think that all of that combined will give them a good opportunity to perform well down the stretch in the tournament. But this wasn't a wasn't a helpful loss to my <laughs> argument. Yeah, I, I, and you know what? I agree with you. I think there is a lot of upside with this UNC team. It's just a matter of you know if if the young guys can keep it going. Right. I think they'll go as far as the young guys on that team will take them. Right. So in terms of your biggest bust, who do you think is uh, going to ruin a few brackets? So I had Michigan initially um, when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I might have to change my my pick a little bit because I – Looking at Michigan's team, I kind of think they're going to get busted. You know what I mean? I feel like they're going to let down earlier than people think that they are. So I'm going to go with Michigan State. I think Michigan State has been playing to a point where they are going to bust people's brackets in one way or another. They're going to bust people's brackets by going a lot farther than people think that they're going to go in terms of, like, Final Four. Or they're going to bust people's brackets by losing in the first round. (laughs) I think that because they don't have a primary dominant score like other teams and they play mostly based on effort and energy, that's that's sometimes a, a recipe for disaster, but also a recipe for beating everybody to the punch and beating everybody down the stretch. So I think I'm going to change my, my initial answer from Michigan to Michigan State. Yeah, you know, you you look at the past four games, they have three losses over the last four. Right. So, you know, they're, they're clearly a shaky squad. I mean, are but they going to blow it? I don't right. know. That being you know? said, that CBS uh, bracket that we looked at has them as a number two seat. Yeah, that is absolutely ridiculous. Which is that was, crazy. Yeah. That's not going to happen. No. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of my pick for this, I think Marquette has to take the cake on this yes. one. You know, they are completely driven by Marcus Howard. You know, that team will live and die by his three ball. And any time a team is living and dying by the three ball you don't know what you're going to get. Absolutely. Um, and especially a streaky scorer like Marcus Howard. Now, don't get me wrong. The team's great. They're well worth their uh, – I think they're still ranked 10th after today's poll. Um, they're they're worthy of that spot. I just don't think, you know, anyone could put too much faith in that team because, I mean, they lost twice to St. John's this year. Right. And, and you know how inconsistent St. John's can be. Right. <laughs> So, you know, that it, when you put a lot of pressure on the Hauser brothers, you know, I, to me, I, I don't like that being my, my number two and three option Sure. in terms of scoring. So, I, I don't know. I think they have a lot of potential. They're going to be a low seed regardless of, mm-hmm. of whatever, wherever they're going to end up this year. 
you put them against a hungry team that's like, you know, coming in, like say they even do fall off a little bit uh, going into late biggies play, even though I don't think they will, you know, you never know what team is going to come in hungry. And there's a right. lot of decent mid majors this year. So you really can't count anyone out in the, in the first round. And they're not, you know, Marquette's not going to be a one seed, so they're not going to face a 16. So, right. Even though, I don't, you know, it, well, it, clearly it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Virginia completely destroyed me last year. So, <laughs> clearly, UMBC, makes baby. No, <laughs> makes no impact whatsoever anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, that's my little spiel. But there's a lot of good mid majors this year. So, I think it's important to, you know, any, any game, anything could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with that. And segueing to a mid-major that could cause a lot of damage, in my opinion, uh, Lipscomb. I really think, you know, this team could do a lot of damage for mm-hmm. the exact reason why I looked at Tennessee before. Um, they have a senior-laden squad, super long, super tall team, um, very athletic. You know, they're ranked number 30 in the uh, net rankings as of right now, 20-4 mm-hmm. and four in the year. Um, you know, a couple couple losses they probably should have won but in terms of giant killer i think this team has everything you need um you know they kind of obviously not coaching wise or even even talent level wise don't resemble duke but in terms of their makeup you know they're a tall athletic team um and i you know i i think they could they could seriously do some damage in the tournament especially, you know, in the early rounds. They were even getting votes at one point for top 25. I don't know if they still are. Right. um, You know, it's not the sexy pick. It's not uh, your Murray State that I know (laughs) you got wielded in the back pocket. We'll talk talk about it a little bit. But, you know, outside of Buffalo, because obviously Buffalo, everyone knows about Buffalo now. I don't think they're really going to surprise anyone. I don't think they're not counting. I'm not counting them as like a quote-unquote mid-major, even though they are, because they've, Shown non mid major tendencies anyway, so um, yeah, so you know, I kind of went the safe route <laughs> with Murray State just based on, on John Morant and his absolute unreal track record this year. Um, anytime you have a player that has shown the level of play he has, you're gonna, you're gonna have a, a tough time outing them in the tournament and they're going to be a lower seed in terms of like, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 ish or somewhere around there. Um, yeah, probably more around 12, maybe even lower than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it'll be interesting to see who, what, uh, region they get put in. That's going to be a big, big, big determining factor. If they get put in a soft region with a lot of vulnerable teams, watch out for this team to go, a lot farther than people think. Yes, they play nobody, nobody. Well, you know, and they lost to Auburn. I wouldn't say they even play nobody because right in their conference, you know, they might not even win their conference because they have uh, that's true over in the Ohio Valley. Middle... They have uh, Go... uh, Belmont, so Be- Belmont's yep. knocking on the yep. door too. You know, they're they're also nineteen and four. Yeah, they're no joke. And Belmont has beaten, I believe, they beat. Murray State earlier this year. And they beat Lipscomb twice. So, right. You know, so, they got some quality you know, wins on their resume. Maybe, maybe Belmont's the one that they <laughs> should be talking about. 
I don't know. And then you have Austin PA too in that, in that division. So it, it, Ohio Valley, you know, who would have saw this coming? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty solid team. Pretty solid teams in that, in that conference. All right, man. So who, as of right now, who do you think is taking it all? Um, right now, in terms of everybody that I've seen, that I've physically, personally seen play, and how they've competed, how they've dominated people, that in conference and out of conference, it's. And I know I said that they have that they're my favorite to go to the final four, but and I hate saying it because I hate that there's that this team might win again. But Duke is really, really good. They're, that lineup of those four likely draft prospects, probably three in the top ten, um, is just so, so hard to contend with. Yes, anybody can win on a, on a given day. And they may or may not let down during the tournament based on their youth. But the level of talent and the level of athleticism that they play with is so hard to contend with for schools that are not in as high, as difficult of a conference. So right now I don't see anybody beating Duke other than maybe Tennessee, like I said. Yeah, as much as I, as I you know, want to see Tennessee do well, I want to see Tennessee hoist a title potentially at the end of the year. Uh, um, right. I'm right there with you. I'm 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 going Duke because, like you mentioned previously, like this team has so much athleticism, so much talent. Right. That it, they're going to be hard, hard out. You know, regardless of who they play, it's it's going to come down to a good game. You know, they're not going to lose in in blowout fashion like Virginia did last year. You know, right. It's a team that they're not going to lay down Zion when he's going to need to turn it on. He'll he'll turn it on. Um. Yeah, I, I, you know, in terms of money pick, if you're putting money on a single team right now, I'm, I'm saying with the inconsistencies behind Duke in terms of, you know, in the top 25, uh, you got to go Duke. Yeah. All right. And, and I think that Duke has shown against, has played higher competition this year than most other teams, and they've only lost twice. Yeah. You know? They played Auburn early in the year when Auburn was ranked. They played Gonzaga. Yes, they lost to Gonzaga, but that was a really, really close game. They beat Texas Tech. They've beaten Florida State. They just beat Virginia twice. They've beaten Virginia twice this year. So it's hard to see and say that anybody's going to beat Duke based on their record this year. And another another thing to to even know about that Gonzaga loss was that was like what maybe like the fourth game they played together, third game they played together, right? Something as like a that. four freshmen coming in for the starting lineup team, you know, like right. there's no continuity there yet, and they took Gonzaga to the wire. So absolutely, you know, yeah, they lost to Syracuse, but and, that every team has right. off night. There was injuries, <laughs> you know. This team is they're right. looking solid again. It's going to be hard to make an argument as to how they're not going to win. And we're not even talking about their bench. They have some solid bench players, but because everybody focuses on that core four team, that core four of the team, people forget that, you know, Jack White is a solid, absolutely solid rebounder. 
plays his heart out on defense. They forget about the fact that Marquise Bolden is on that team, who was a starter for two years. Um, Javon Delorier is no like no slouch. Alex O'Connell played really well a couple times this yeah, year. Yeah, he so backed up Trey Jones have real other well. People. Right, they have other people that can put the ball in the hoop and be a major impact on that team aside from those core four. And you know, I'm I'll be shocked if they don't make it to the championship game at least. All right. Well, there you have it. That's our predictions. Alex, uh, would you like to describe what Bill Walton did this week just for the people that haven't seen it? <laughs> so our bu- our best buddy, Bill Walton, uh, was once again shown on the Pac-12, uh, as he calls, what I, I, the, turn, the, the Conference of Champions. Yep. He's in love with his Pac-12. He loves calling those games. And he was with his best buddy, Dave Pash. And it was Dave Pash's birthday re- recently. If not, it might have been that day. And one of the productions thought it was a, a grand idea to give Bill Walton fire in terms of a candle on a cupcake for Dave Pash's birthday. So in the midst of singing Happy Birthday, not the correct lyrics to Happy Birthday, might I add, Bill Walton just kept repeating Happy Birthday. Um, Dave Pash then uttered the words, why don't you take a bite out of it while the candle's still lit? And our friend Bill Walton did just that. He put his entire mouth around this cupcake (laughs) and took a bite out of the cupcake from the top, which is a psychotic way to eat a cupcake in the first place. And the lit candle was still in his mouth. So The fire adds flavor. We don't have a quote. Exactly. We don't have a quote this week because that speaks volumes enough for Bill Walton. He he does love uh he does love Hawaii with all their uh fire displays and whatnot. So maybe it rubbed off on him all those years <laughs> down in Maui Gym. Yep, absolutely. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. You know, uh make sure to like, subscribe, uh hit us up on Twitter at no vertical. Um love to interact with you guys on, on Twitter and see what you guys wanna wanna hear from us. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to look to probably amp up more NCAA tournament talk as we get closer. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything you guys want to hear, just let us know. Thanks for listening guys. And, uh, enjoy the rest of the week. College hoops. Have a good one.